0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's been one year since Jodie Whittaker stood on a cliff top and somehow turned in to David Tennant again. We know how he turned because it's regeneration, so we know that bit, but why is it David T- You know what, it doesn't matter. I'm Natalie Bohensky and this is Who's Raven On, the Doctor Who analytical podcast subsection thingy that, if life was fair with me now, as always would be my dearest, best buddy, Stuart Late, But life is not fair and and cancer is a bitch and and I want to swear more, but I'm trying to keep it nice. And Stu is not here. And so I have been very, very, very kindly invited to bring on two guests to help pay tribute to Stu and to welcome back a new era of Doctor Who uh, to the Raven On universe. Just want to state again, Stew is irreplaceable, but we will do our best to recap in his honour. And uh, so, please join me in welcoming from the Best Pick Pod, all the way over in London, the marvellous Tom Salinsky and John Donney. <laughs> Hello there! Woo-hoo. Yay! Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Uh, it's an Sorry pleasure. to make it all about me. No, no, not uh, at all. <laughs> uh, no, it, it does. It does feel weird doing this without Stew. Uh, when I had it's the- so. The idea of doing this—it was always in my mind. It was going to be me and John and you and Stu, and it just—it it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. But uh, as you say, let's not uh, uh, abandon everything because we've lost uh, yes. something so crucial. Let's uh, make the best of what we've got.
0: We we, we will push on and continue. And um, it, you know, he loved this show so much, and I want to make sure that I am able to at least still talk about it, even though I probably won't add anything of value. You guys. Are proper experts, and you will. So the listening audience will get, you know, the content that they crave with my weird, you know, vibes. I, I wouldn't say- um, So I apologize to you two in advance for having to process, um, uh, me processing this episode.
2: I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> they're going to crave the content we're going to provide. I mean, this will be very <laughs> low-level content at the best, you know, with the best will in the and world. I,
0: I disagree. Well, it's more than mine. Um, My Doctor Who, what have I got to hear Doctor Who related? I've got a money box somewhere that's a TARDIS. Uh, That's about it for my Doctor Who close-at-hand props.
1: But When Doctor Who or any, I think, uh, uh, cult property – Starts catering exclusively to the fans, the diehard fans. That's when I think it goes off yes. the rails. Uh, it needs yes. to have as broad an audience as possible. And if uh, yes. if it's not pleasing someone like you, who's watched it with interest since it came back, uh, then it probably isn't pleasing very many people either. Uh, and then it doesn't matter if it if it pleases, you know, a, a few thousand. Let's be honest, insane fans. <laughs>
0: It, yeah, it's a real balance, I guess, whenever you're doing something creative like that is people who are the long-term fans do feel that sense of ownership and you don't want to, you know, reject that and you don't want people to feel like um, they're not welcome in the fandom. Um, but at the same time, you do need to capture changing trends and changing times and changing audience demographics and all those sorts of things. So. Um, yeah, it's it's, you know, it's a hard balance to achieve. It,
2: I would it's famously one of these things that uh, people talk about. Was when people say one of the reasons people love Doctor Who is because it's got such a variable format and it can you know change the lead. It can do it. it can do all manner of things. It can be anything it really wants to be. So they go. They go. We love Doctor Who because it can change. And then the moment it changes, they go. No, don't change. Yes. <laughs> Not that. Not that change. Uh, and you
0: know what? There is some safety in the familiar. You know, it's changes is, is part of life, but it's also really hard. And I definitely have had times when certain things that I love have gone through, you know, uh, changes for whatever reason. And I've been very vehemently <laughs>
1: opposed.
0: And I go, oh wow, I'm I'm sounding like a cranky old lady, but uh, yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's it's. There's always going to be, I think, things that you can approach with a lot of equanimity and go, ah, I am. The rock, the river passes around me. <laughs> I do not stress. I am, I am fine with the changes. It's what the people want. And then there'll be something that it just your your button, and it gets pushed and shifted, and you're like, "This will not stand. Yeah. This yeah. will not stand." <laughs> and everyone has their one um, uh, button. And, and regular listeners of Raven On certainly would know that mine is probably when um, Blofeld turned out to be James Bond's brother. Inspector. Oh, that Spoilers. is
2: bollocks. Uh, to be fair.
0: Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you. Now
2: that's yeah. tosh. thank you. Yeah, it was. Um,
0: yeah, so um, well, I'm glad, but that was my one button where I just, you know, threw. I
2: I, I don't think that's not a button. That's computer, an entire. That's it. an entire keyboard. That is, uh, uh, you know, that's a, that's an accordion worth of buttons. It's it's. <laughs> No, it's awful. <laughs> it's an awful, awful idea. Yes, it was and me it-
0: going, Dear Mr. Broccoli. No, sorry, you're dead. Dear Ms. Broccoli, yeah. please change everything about that last movie. It's like I, mean, I am not a crackpot. To
2: be fair, it's like almost all the Spider Man <laughs> yes. films going, they don't need to be personally connected to him. It it doesn't make any sense. It it, it just the you know, anyway, I get I get Grumpy. Anyway.
1: Uh, so on best pick we would normally uh, share a bunch of research then go and watch the episode and then come back and talk about it that doesn't really work for this Um, if you want to research the episode then uh, Russell T Davies and the BBC have provided an enormous amount of behind the scenes information from uh, YouTube clips uh, to BBC 3 behind the scenes little mini episodes to an entire new podcast Uh, there's a thing
0: Uh, Uh, see I'm disappointed I thought you two were going to go right back to To the very start and give me a blow by blow in depth
1: sixty years yeah, no, we could, we, of Doctor Who. We could do that. Yeah, uh, there probably. was Caveman, <laughs> then the cuff, there was some but...
2: Daleks, then there was Madness, then there was some guy in Cafe. Uh then <laughs> then and I'm slightly struggling, then it was the planet Marinus and a bit of a quest. Then then some Aztecs. Uh then And then Colin f-
0: Baker was in there? Just, yeah, just Colin shout Baker, out to Colin Baker. Colin Baker, Baker was in
2: every episode. <laughs> he he's, was yeah, he's not well, I just visible, need to, he's to always there. Yeah.
0: I, I, so Colin Baker once, and it's many years ago, sadly, he probably wouldn't hold the same opinion, but once uh, at a signing event, he, he called me pretty. And so therefore he's my favorite doctor.
2: <laughs> oh, I, there. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. It's just- I, I adore Colin I'm Baker. i shallow. I do adore Colin Baker. I, I was at a party. He sounds like a dude. He's, he's cool. Um, I was at a sort of mm. watching party on Saturday. And, and then when the, the episode finished, I managed to get sneaky control of the iPlayer um so i was like i was djing episodes to be playing on in the background and i was deliberately trying to figure out well what are the most random ones i could possibly manage now this will be some of this will be meaningless to you it's like going okay so the first one i'm going to play is episode three of four to doomsday uh and then it was just increasingly weird because invisible enemy episode two mark of the rani episode two the web planet episode four uh, somebody at one point on the dalek invasion of earth and i thought no 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 that's a sensible choice. We go okay with that we go with episode <laughs> 5 of the mutants. It was uh yeah it was it was great fun. I had a hoot.
1: Have you dipped back into the um the the classic series at all Nat?
0: Look it mm...
1: there's no right or wrong I, answer. Uh, I'm genuinely curious.
0: I I I I really don't think I have. I, my memories of the classic Who era were from a kid. I'm obviously Australian if the accent didn't give it away, but uh, my memories of Doctor Who were the last five minutes before the goodies started because that's <laughs> how they played Doctor Who in Australia. Six o'clock would be an episode of Doctor Who. Very
2: similar program.
0: Goodies and then the 7 p.m. news. And I was a goodies girl. I just wanted to watch Graham Garden and uh, Tim Brooke Taylor in his Union Jack vest and Bill Odie looking grotty and singing. Uh, that was me.
1: In the UK, we were always very envious of Australian fans because you got repeats. You got uh, Tom Baker episodes and John Pertig episodes shown all the time, whereas we got like one uh, edited compilation episode every 18 months, if we were lucky. Uh, we didn't get any Doctor Who when it was not new episodes being shown. Really? That's right. And so there was a, a thriving a thriving trade, because America and Australia have the same TV system, in bootleg, off-air copies of old episodes, making their way from Australia to the UK. <laughs> so UK fans could watch them, sometimes multi-generations thought, is
0: down. Yeah, there's so much content. I would have thought it would be a lay-down to just have a Saturday afternoon Doctor Who rerun or whatever. But I know that's one of the reasons I think I remember seeing Tim Brooke Taylor come out this is probably twenty plus years ago he um uh, there was a goodies fan club arranging an event like a convention a goodies convention and they organ they the organizers called him to ask him to you know record a message or do something for it send something out and he went well can I could I come and they just it didn't even enter their head that he would want to come, but that's because in Australia there's such a cult around the repeats of these kinds of shows, that there's a real, you know, loving fan group that didn't exist as much in the UK because they didn't get played as often.
1: I think what happened with the goodies specifically is uh, after whatever it was, seven or eight series, they jumped ship and went to ITV. Uh, And the ITV Mm -hmm. shows aren't, I think, supposed to be as good, but the BBC went, well, we're not showing repeats of the goodies now. And so those shows have almost (gasps) never been repeated. (laughs) Decades on this still haven't been repeated. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, out here, the ABC probably just went, well, we don't mind. We'll just play everything. (laughs) And there wasn't, I guess, the local content production to match what was happening in the UK. So there was probably much more new stuff being put out that you could watch, whereas we were like, give us more of the goodies. And there are still episodes of the goodies that I haven't seen because they used to repeat a lot of the same. Yeah, and they used to repeat a lot of the same ones. So that's why, you know, when Graham decides to pull Britain outside the three-mile limit and he starts his own post office service and he ends up dressed like a Nazi on a submarine that's hidden under like a small boat. Anyway, that was like my favourite episode of the goodies. I just loved it when Graham went megalomaniacal. But this is not a goodies
1: show. It Sorry, is. I got distracted by the goodies. Uh, Should we do our minute challenge? Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. This was exciting. I haven't done a minute challenge since the last time Stu and I podcasted, not to sound morose, but that was at the end of May. So what, seven months ago? So eight months? I can't count. I can't do maths. Um, so I had real trouble with this, Tom. Um, I forgot what a minute was in terms of time, and I forgot most of the content of the show. So should should I go first then? Yes, and, sure. Because you'll have much better answers because I'll look, I'll look bad by comparison. The <laughs>
1: okay, far um, away.
0: All right, well, my first quote was, welcome back, skinny man. (laughs) Uh, Because I don't know why David Tennant looks skinnier now than he did back then, maybe because he wasn't wearing, but he was wearing a coat. But I love that Donna always called him skinny man, and I love that that's sort of what she started saying immediately to him.
1: I uh, thought it was weird. She saw him. In the uh, um, the 50th anniversary special, Matt Smith keeps going on about how skinny David Tennant is.
0: Matt Smith is...
1: I would say equally skinny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's not, a, he's a bit, you know, they're like folds, you know. They're both might, quite might angular. He's a bit more gangly.
2: Yeah. They're angular, aren't they? They're pointy pointy ends. Mm. Pointy men.
0: Yeah, sharp, sharp. You, you might not be able to sort of get a really good cuddle on. Colin Baker, excellent cuddle on. <laughs> um, Sylvester McCoy, great cuddle. Uh, <laughs> um so then i wrote do you remember you guys would remember i can't remember but do you remember when
1: rock was river young song sorry <laughs>
0: um if, when R- river song wrote hello sweetie on like the side of a cliff like a sheer cliff for matt smith i think
1: yeah
0: anyway i can't remember what it was called but that's what David Tennant's hair reminded me of. I don't know why that
1: image okay.
0: popped into my head, but he's got like this <coughs> cascade, like a reverse waterfall of brown hair, just delectably kind of fashioned in an up, right? With like, like extraordinarily tall hair. And he, he it wasn't, cause he kind of had slightly spiky hair, but in flashbacks at the start, his hair was a little bit more boyish, and a little bit more flat lying down. And now it's like, yeah, like a
1: war. There um, is a long-standing anyway, tradition was... of uh, Doctor Who actors' hair becoming more and more, uh, to coin a phrase, bouffant uh, as their tenure goes on. Oh, yeah. Uh, this happened <laughs> noticeably and famously with John Pertwee, uh, but also kind of happened with Capaldi and to a certain extent with, um, with Tennant and Smith as well. But there's always yeah. a danger as well. When you bring someone back, it's like, uh, so what, what did his hair look like? And now you're kind of trying to style this man's hair according to your memory of what it was like... Fifteen years ago, uh, you know, if he comes back for the seventieth, I think it's going to be a full-on afro. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: So yeah, I don't know why that just reminded me of the wall from that scene of River Song, but this is how my brain works. Um, I then wrote um, Donna remains fabulous, and I don't get the haters.
1: Are there? I don't Donna know the haters. Have...
0: I just I know a few people personally who seem to to really not like Donna and Catherine Tate. Well, I hope you've cut them out and of your I life. Don't... Well, like, yeah, they. I, yeah. <laughs> Everyone I know who watches the show currently, but there's been a few people over the years who are like, I don't like Donna. I don't like Donna. And I'm like, I just don't get that. She's a great um, change up uh, addition, you know, contrast to a, a, a typical companion. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that there's a woman closer to my age than most companions would be <laughs> oh I sound awful oh, I sound, I just mean I don't know how Elle Catherine Tate is but she's more relatable to me I guess than you know but then maybe when I Rose Tyler was the was the companion I was still older than her but not by as much so as I will be from the new companion coming in
1: on some of the it's earlier big Finnish audio adventures, Colin Baker, your favourite, uh, is paired with mm, like mm. A, a sixty or seventy year old retired academic, uh, which oh, is uh, a really good uh, make a really good pairing.
0: Oh, that's so great! I think I love the the diversity that that Donna brings in terms of her attitude, uh, not just in you know her age and whatnot, but just the fact that she's. She screams and <laughs> is unimpressed. <laughs> yes. Know, get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I wrote down that there were typical RTD uh, flourishes, like an up-and-down chase. I oh, remember yeah? hearing that that was one of his favourite things to do, is chases that go up and down as well as side-to-side. Side. Um, and so they have the chase up the staircase, um, which leads me to another point, which was uh, – <laughs> The Sonic screwdriver is really, really uh, over-engineered. I don't know if that's the right word. Mega-engineered? There's just so much it can do already. It's kind of become an iPad. You can make it be an iPad now, a portable iPad that you can show screens on. You can make security doors out of it.
1: It always used to be the case that uh, it could uh, nobble an electronic lock. Uh, but couldn't do anything with anything mechanical uh yet it now seems to be disintegrating concrete uh and cutting through chain link fences oh, and uh
2: sorry i'm I'm gonna say the concrete i is one of the bits I really bought because if are we talking about the wall in the in the in the in the, the, attic. at, in mm, yeah. the attics yeah because it's sonic you know you're vibrating it and you're kind of you vibe, it's going yeah. it's breaking it down that that one hundred percent seems to make sense to me
0: yeah that's like when bridges get made and there's something about the sound and they collapse because the sound I'm, I'm waving my hands. Like I understand yeah. science, you... but I'm sure this is a thing. That...
1: <laughs> but you think the same thing would work with like a, a, a Yale key, but anyway,
0: um, but it, yeah, it certainly was a, 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 the sonic screwdriver had a glow up. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I thought that the meep was really cute, like a cross between Gollum and a gremlin.
2: Yeah, that works. Or the,
0: the, the gremlin before it turns into a gremlin. And, I can't remember the name of it, but the, 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 the before, we, Yeah, the Mogwai. And so then I was like, oh, wait. And it had these really spindly fingers. Oh, and yeah, for yeah. some reason, I went, I, I think it might be, it's probably going to be like a twist and it might be the bad guy. <laughs> um, having said that, being hidden in the toys in the shed, in Rose's shed, was very, very cute. And then Donna touching it directly on the eye was super gross. Um, and then it turned into the Meep. And then we watched the special afterwards, I think, or the the behind the scenes. And it was like, oh, no, it's based on this very famous Doctor Who story from the early 80s from the comic. And I went, oh, okay. It was a, everyone knew it was going to be. Yeah. I, was, I thought I was clever.
2: No, as I said, at a party um, where it was kind of interesting trying to, like, gauge who knew. Because it was, like, literally, like, almost everyone over there going, yeah, we all know, don't we? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs>
1: And Russell said on the podcast um, that in his first draft, the Meep reveals itself at least to the audience much earlier, uh, in that stuff in the in the shed. It's still being cute and nice to to um rose but it's sort of winking at the audience and going uh, I'm going to I'm going to kill her uh, which is sort of what happens in the comic and the higher ups right. said no 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 you have to hold that back and on the podcast yes. you were saying I don't know I don't know I, I see I see why I was given that note and I did it but I I think it still might have been better if we made it clearer earlier
0: Yeah um and it was it what was interesting about the big waspy I've forgotten the name. Wolf Warriors? What? Something like that.
2: Wrath. Roth Wrath. Wrath. Sorry.
0: I think I'm going deaf because um, I was like, why would they be wolf warriors when they look like giant wasps? But anyway, um, and I love their big Lady Gaga style shoes with no heels.
1: Mm. You know how they're
0: walking on stilts? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And, you know, like Lady Gaga used to wear these giant boots that were all toe and no heel, so you're literally walking about kind of like a demented ballet dancer. And anyway, I love those. Um, but they were shooting at and, like, people, there was no blood. There was no damage to the car. There was no anything. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, he's been shooting directly at David Tennant in a car behind a screen. That screen should have been exploding. And then luckily they went straight into the scene where he went, ah, oh, I'm now a judge. The <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, okay. All right. You didn't leave too much of a gap. That's okay. Um, and then my last sort of thing was some of the confusion, and this is where I get into trouble and, like, I would always say this to you, So when it comes to more um, uh, modern issues and sensibilities and things like that, sometimes I get a bit confused. And there was just a bit of an issue. I thought it was—I thought the the character of Rose and the fact she's a trans girl was really lovely, and um, and Donna's loyalty and love and that family unit being so close. And um, I can't remember Donna's husband's name, but him just going, "I just got the best wife and daughter." I'm just so lucky. I thought it was so lovely, but there was just something about the. Transfer of the Time Lord energy, and the at the at the very end that I was a bit confused by, and um, I'm hoping you guys can help me work through that. So maybe you should go through your list because <laughs> That's you well, might already well, actually, explain it.
1: Um, I'll give you the kind of writerly. Explanation because I think the, the science fiction explanation is to be honest a lot of hand waving uh, and though I thought the, the weakest point my only real criticism of the whole episode is uh, that uh, it's a bit too easy it kind of lets Donna and Rose off the hook if they're just able to to let the meta crisis go
0: yes yes uh,
1: but there's a, a remarkable bit I thought here of just uh, uh, f- uh, rightly fortuitousness. Uh, because, as we think, as we saw in the flashback, uh, at, at the end of um, end of time when the Doctor Donna is falling apart, uh, she's just babbling uh, all of these nonsense words, and virtually the last thing she says is "binary, binary, binary." Mm. So what Russell was able to do is then invent this new series of words, these sort of code words, a bit kind of Manchurian Candidate ish, uh, which are going to. Mm. W- reawaken the Dr. Donna, the last of which are binary, binary, binary. Uh, but then the, the punchline, what saves it all, is that part of this metacrisis has been passed down to her daughter, who is non-binary. And that is mm. just a, a beautiful kind of poetic bit of uh, a writerly sleight of hand. Uh, and mm. uh, I was actually incredibly moved by that moment uh, because it's taken okay. something which could be a detail... Uh albeit one, as you say, which is going to bait a certain uh segment of the viewing public. Uh but and then turning it into something which makes a kind of lyrical science fiction sense and actually plays its part in resolving the plot.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't that that um uh 'cause yeah, I understood uh well the people who I were watching with had the whole binary-binary thing, I hadn't really picked up on that. And I was like, oh, okay. Yes, that makes sense. That's lovely. That's sweet. What was what sort of troubled me was how um, uh, David Tennant's going. It's still going to kill you. That the time um, Lord, I can't remember the meta crisis. It's still wrapped around your cortex. It's still going to kill you eventually. And then they turn around and kind of go. And it's sort of a lovely girl power moment. Yeah. I get it. And they're like, wish you were still a woman because you know. We can we can let it go, and um, a male presenting doctor just won't understand that we can let it go, and that to me felt a bit. Uh... Also, David Tennant literally was just a, a woman, but then they also talk at the end of that special about how the doctor is is a man, a woman, or he or she or they, and a um, not, nothing and everything yep. and more. The the talking about the sort of the the doctor being this all-encompassing you know he's kind of encompasses all genders and expressions but is also outside of that and is also more than that that's the impression that I got anyway and so then they say ah but you're male presenting you'll never understand and it was like well but he David Tennant he has just been a she so surely the doctor would to my my mind it it would have made more sense going it's a human thing and as humans we can choose to let something go You've got 2,000 plus years of, you know, Gallifreyan, Time Lordian baggage to deal with, um, but we're humans and we can make a choice if we choose to let something go
2: and move on. Did it work for you, John? I've seen lots of criticism of that bit. It kind of, um, I mean, I thought the ending worked pretty logically. This is one of the things where I'm sitting from uh, my perspective of being aware I'm sort of middle-aged white cis guy. So uh, I'm not sure the degree to which I can talk about it. I've heard from uh, various uh, non-binary friends and and women who were not entirely happy with that bit because they said it was it was uh, what I can't remember what the term was. Gender not almost the exact opposite of gender fluidity, where it's where it's saying you if if you're a man you won't understand this, and it uh, felt like essentialism. Essentialism that was the word, and um, which which. Look, I, I'm I'm not educated enough to really make a statement on that kind of thing, but I, I'm I'm largely just voicing that bit. Going when I've seen people kind of say this is a bit problematic, then I, I I'll sort of I'll, I'll run with that. I mean, I think the other bit that's kind of potentially mildly awkward, as I say, the the I think the having been someone who has occasionally lucked out somebody someone who's occasionally lucked out by writing something that then pays off without having to like like me do anything where I've I've got, I've got like for free. The, the, the the chant is interesting, but it is that bit where you kind of want to go. I mean, technically, technically, is it right to say that Rose is binary, -binary? non-binary? That's up
1: to
2: her. Yeah. I suppose. If she says she is, she is. Well, to
0: me, well, that's, and that's where I get confused because I'm, you know, I'm, I try to read this stuff and educate myself, but also knowing that there is, a non-binary identity, but also some people seem to identify as non-binary trans. So okay. it's like
2: okay, then that's yeah, different yeah.
0: F- flavors. If that's not the incorrect <laughs> word to use of how non-binary sits, and so it's like, well, is she is she trans or is she non-binary? And that could have been the confusion. So, but I guess they're talking about Rose encompasses Rose has taken on what the doctor. Has which is that ability to experience life okay. as both a man and a woman, I guess.
2: Okay, then having
0: had Jodie Whittaker now, yeah. So that's kind of how I sort of saw it in my head is like, okay, well they're they're saying that she's non-binary in the sense that she um, has had this personal journey of um, of being a young trans woman. So that that um, again, I'm just so <laughs> worried about using the wrong word. So a blanket, a blanket. Uh, uh, what would you call it, a blanket apology if I am not using the correct terminology. But, yeah, so that's how I sort of saw it is she's, she's non-binary in the sense that she's not a cis
2: person. Okay, that's useful but, to know. That is, yeah, I genuine. think the, the, yeah. the structural problem,
1: uh, and I don't know if a solution exists, is that uh, the, the big emotional catharsis of the episode is done when uh, Donna recovers. But there is this little dangling plot thread. Uh, actually, we don't we don't want to leave the meta crisis inside them. We've established that left its own devices, it will kill them. So we've got to find a way of getting rid of it. Mm. We don't now want to start up a whole new quest, a whole new yeah. plot, yes. in order to get rid of it because we're done. Uh, so I think yes. it's simply how can we get rid of this in as few lines as possible? Yeah, that's <laughs> not unfair. That's yeah. what was on screen. And, and, so make, just, a, make, and so that, make a joke are, of it like, as well. And make a joke of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and that, and the thing is is that I'm more for a you know spice girl style girl power moment. Um I'm very big on that, but it just it felt a little bit like just by changing it to you're a time lord, you have to carry this baggage. We're human. Mm. And and fundamentally and I think that still works for Rose's journey because you know the whole thing, you know the 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 um I was about to say the implied bullying she gets, but it's quite explicit at the start. Um, but that sense where she doesn't feel that she's she feels she's an outsider, but by reconnecting to her essential humanity and that we're all humans, yeah, whether we're cis trans non binary, um, connecting to that central humanity for me probably would have been a more satisfying way than having the girl power like because and and it's like again, I, I like to try and write comedy not to suggest I anything close to you guys but i like to try and write comedy in words and and a male presenting doctor just doesn't doesn't have the same comedic snappers a man wouldn't understand (laughs) you know what i mean so you know male presenting just doesn't quite have the same ring um the same snap kind of mm, 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 like snapping um you don't understand. You're a man. It just doesn't have the same ring to go malpresenting. But again, that's me cobbling over, you know, words and timing of words and jokes and things like that, which I, you know, they're not sometimes in conflict with the correct way to say things. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't up. I wasn't. I thought that the lovely integration, as you said, with uh, binary, binary, non-binary, and passing down to a child is a lovely way to, you know. Um, spread the, the meta-crisis over two people, making it therefore less lethal, or at least less, you know, immediately lethal. And it's a callback that after, was yeah. really beautiful. after
1: 15 years, which is pretty incredible.
0: Wow,
1: yeah, yeah I know you've said that, yeah. <laughs> I had an interview with Neil Gaiman recently, and he was talking about the fact that if you're doing something serialised, as he was doing with Sandman, where you're putting episodes out, and you haven't got the opportunity to go back and change them, you suddenly just have to trust future me. Yeah, and so I am I'm, I'm gonna throw something out here and and with any luck, future me will figure out what it means.
2: I've occasionally had that <laughs> and it says does say, It's genuinely it, honest to God, as having had that happen a couple of times, it, it's the most um exciting and and but also oh thank thank the Lord. you know that there, there's yeah, there's a particular <laughs> one where it's a box set of Doctor Who Audios I did called, called Ravenous, where the big finale lots of it I managed to accidentally set up without even trying um a, f- a few like oh. box sets earlier with that and to the degree where like one person had made a wish the other two hadn't and it, it absolutely hit the right positions of who needed to have done what when, when yeah it was it, one of the most joyous th- thankful oh. moments I've ever had in my sort of writing life
1: it's the writer as improviser yes
0: yeah and I also loved um just the touch touching base on the as I said I I struggle sometimes with the right language to use and and to not offend people. I, I think we
2: all don't do. Mean it's yeah, to
0: a- outrageously offend anyone. But I like that they kind of incorporated that with Sylvia with roses. Yeah. sorry with Donna's mum, Rose's grandmother yeah. about how she's trying and and wondering what to say and how to best express it, but also acknowledge that this is a girl who's had a journey. And do you acknowledge that? Do you you know? And I think. I saw on uh, I think a behind the scenes of Russell T Davies saying that, you know, these things should be introduced in a happy way, in a positive way. Um, And I think the acknowledgement that the terminology around these things is quite new. It's it's really still quite new in the scheme of, um, you know, things. And a lot of people struggle with it and a lot of people don't understand and it is scary for a lot of people. And so I think to have an older person who's, loves their grandchild, wants to do the best by them but still is a bit nervous and a bit hesitant as to what to say and how to say it, I think that's such a clever and wise thing to do to make people watching go, oh, okay, we all struggle sometimes with how to best, you know, how to use the right words and how to do those sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily, it it doesn't come with a um, Emmanuel, is it is it a change for people? It is a change for families who who you know have a, a trans child uh, in their family, and it's okay to make mistakes. As you know, as long as you're responding with love and you're, you're a family unit and you care, you know you'll you'll get through. And I thought that was just a really lovely touch, and a great way for a show like Doctor Who to yes. positively contribute to um, a happier you know a happier state. Um, th- of, of representation. Th- did that make any sense? It did, and I <laughs>
2: 100 percent Yeah, I felt yep. you know you know, when it's got someone um what's was I keep wanting to say Jax because that's a real name, isn't it? Sylvia. Um uh talk talking about it. I thought this is it isn't just showing the lived reality of being trans in the modern day, it's also showing that it's not entirely simple for the family, but and, but then explaining a way of, you know, of, of how to approach these things. And, you know, it, it's, it was great. I thought it was rep- the representation was done pretty brilliantly. Um,
1: mm. Shall I do my list?
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: I'm so sorry, Tom. Right.
1: Uh, so yeah, I, binary, binary, binary was the first thing I wrote down. Um, then I wrote down Camden, uh, because... Oh my God! Oh, parts of that episode so were filmed ha- around the corner from my flat.
0: Oh, so I had... Such a visceral reaction to that first scene because and sorry to take over your list already, but I, you know, I obviously don't live in London, but I've been to, you know, visit you, Tom, in London, many times in Camden. And it opened on CyberDog, which yes. is that really cool nightclubby shop with the robots outside and, and there are people I, on Twitter going, That's got
1: to be significant. And no, that's just a shop yeah. that's in Camden. That's all that is. That's but
0: it made immediately place me there, and I went. That's ca-. but the thing is, I couldn't because we when we watch Doctor Who in a group, we always invoke what we call the Baker Rule, not named after uh, Colin or Tom, but and a, what a friend are from other bakers old, old, olden days when we used to watch shows. who would always say if you if you speak during the show you will be asked to leave. So we have this very <laughs> strong rule called the Baker rule and you do not speak. You can make appreciative noises or emotional sounds, but you're not allowed to discuss anything or make witty comments or side, you know, side talk. Um, and so my my mouth just wanted to go, "This Camden. But I was like, oh, Baker rule. <laughs> and I had to hold it back. But yeah, I was so excited and then saw Camden lock and I was like, that's just near where Tom lives. so did you see any of this being filmed?
1: No, what? no, I didn't. No, no I, I've, I've I've never had much luck with that kind of thing. I don't know why. Maybe I'm like Don, or I just miss all this stuff, even though it's happening no. right under my nose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's worth. It's one that of those, was
0: such a fun concept too. I really like that.
2: It's one of those things where I'm never that fussed about seeing any of the recording because I just want to see it when it's done. So yeah, yeah I agree. To be fair, I wasn't around when it was there, and I wouldn't have been you know able to see it myself. But it's still one of those things. going No, I I I I want to see it when all of the effects are done. And when the music's in place, you know, the way it's supposed to be seen.
0: Yeah, it's like in the back behind the scenes when occasionally you see a glimpse of David Tennant like standing in a TARDIS and putting his head out going, oh, hello, this. And you go, oh, wow, that doesn't look very good. And you forget how much of filmmaking is the effects and the sound mixing and the music and the, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. We had some um, of the Eternals yeah. filmed in Camden recently as well. So Camden's getting a, uh, quite oh, yeah, the, yeah, quite the oh. outing. Um, then I wrote down, uh, David Tennant got old. Uh, because Aww. when you see those original that, that those first few clips and photos I was thinking oh my god he looks exactly the same this is taking me right back to 2006 this is absolutely incredible I can't believe it and then they juxtaposed clips from 2006 789 with what he looks like now and there is a certain gauntness that wasn't there before yeah <laughs> he's still yeah. got it's that thing that- bags of energy And he's still a fantastic actor, but he does not look the same. And I'm glad that the plot isn't—we've gone back in time to 2006.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's exactly right. I think they did talk about that. that. Happens to
1: the thing they did. I think they did talk about
2: doing that. I think that was one of the initial plans. I seem to remember reading. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it it kind of works better that it isn't for all the reasons you cite.
1: Yeah,
0: it is that thing that happens to skinny people as they get older. They can kind of once the once the kind of like chubbiness of of. uh, your twenties and thirties starts to go, and you lose that collagen, and then you just are more angular.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, I, you know, the, the, you you get some more hollows and shadows, yeah. and yeah,
1: you end up looking like Peter Sadly, That hasn't
0: happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going the Mir- Miriam Margulies route, <laughs> which is just to get more soft,
1: <laughs> more cuddly,
0: more cuddly, more cuddly, because she was brilliant. Yeah. My gosh, she was so good as the meek.
1: Uh, yeah, in fact, the next thing I wrote down was Meep looks incredible. And uh, for the first, like, two minutes of the Meep being on screen, I was trying to figure out, is that CGI? Is that a puppet? Is that something in between? And uh, very quickly, it was so convincing, I just stopped worrying. I just yeah. accepted it as mm. the Meep. Uh, and then I was just completely on board. I was fascinated afterwards to find out how it was done, uh, which is basically, it is an onset puppet that's then been augmented uh, with some CGI uh, little um, flourishes. But it just, it just looked... Completely convincing, and that stuff is so important, uh, yeah. especially these days. You know, back in the eighties, I think uh, the television viewing audience was less sophisticated. Uh, certainly, John and I were children, uh, yes. and just sort of less critical, just willing to accept. Yeah, you know, like you do on stage when you know I, I can see that 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 man wasn't really stabbed by that other man, but uh, I, I understand what the story I'm being told is. So fine, uh, but today, if something like if as big a swing as well as the meep. Had looked shoddy or unconvincing, I think it would have just punched a hole right through the middle. And yeah. it's so good;
2: it's very well done. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I, 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 I did much the same as you, and it, where, where it was just like just running with it after a while because it didn't need any any real major thought beyond that. Really, other than just let's just enjoy the meep for what the meep is.
1: Uh, and then I wrote beautifully paced um mm. there was, uh, i think would have been a big temptation to want to make this absolutely wall-to-wall action uh, early on it's actually quite slow and the, we're kind of getting re-familiarized with the david Tennant Doctor, and he's sort of loping around investigating here having little chats there uh and then there's a bit of action and then it stops almost dead the moment that you identified where uh, it kind of becomes a court case and then it accelerates into the climax. And it's all just really beautifully calibrated and choreographed uh, and just absolutely filled the hour without feeling rushed or feeling like it dragged at any point. And that's a much Mm. harder trick to pull off than uh, you might imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was really glorious in that sense because you had, and you had the, um, uh, you know, you, you got the doctor and Donna back together immediately Yeah, So you didn't faff around, but it was justified in the story, which is something's happening and drawing, you know, somehow she's always able to bring me to her and trouble to her. And then you had the lovely twist of Rose finding and befriending the meep. So the meep is already there in play once the doctor turns up.
1: I love the idea. The meep is in play. (laughs) The meep is in play. Uh, (laughs) And then I wrote down, my new favourite TARDIS. Oh, yeah. no, that is gorgeous. Yeah, the inside. Holy hell. That, that new TARDIS set is fantastic. Yeah, and uh, I was never a big fan of the Jodie TARDIS. I was actually never a big fan of the 2005 TARDIS, particularly in that first series with, with Eccleston, where they had the lights turned all the way down. Yeah. Um, but I liked Matt Smith's second TARDIS, and I liked Capaldi's TARDIS a lot. Uh, but this one is like the perfect blend of uh, 60s-slash-80s, uh, white stark modernism uh, and uh, um, 21st century cathedral splendor. It's just fantastic, and I can't wait to see more scenes there.
0: It's kind of like Guggenheim, and is it Zaha Hadid? That architect? Those oh, architects? I don't know. She's the one who did all those that cool stuff in um, Dubai, I think. Okay, I, mean, I could be getting these mixed up, which is but yeah, it's very it's very minimalist as well. There's not no clutter. Yeah. Okay. They had to put a bit of clutter on the console. Yeah. A bit of colour on the console. A bit of clutter because then it wouldn't be Doctor Who. But yeah, it was very. I the only thing I would say it's very very stark. Stark's not quite the road. It's very clean. And I hope that the uh, Shootie Gatwa Doctor is able to then kind of give it, give it some. I don't know. Just give it some. It, I, although, will they be making a new one for Shootie Gatwa?
1: I would be amazed if they did because uh, that, that one that would have to be so, so expensive epic. yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: had you seen
2: I mean, that a before lot of John? Had, it, had it leaked no i hadn't caught anything no so i mean to be fair i'm all i'm always fairly reticent about spoilers and trying to avoid uh looking at them in any major degree so yeah i, I wasn't going to be the the easiest find for them uh but yeah i hadn't caught any any side of it and i'm not sure actually there was anything because obviously it's what something where a lot of the stuff that gets spoiled is stuff where it's filmed outdoors yeah uh so mm. the, and by definition the the tardis isn't so i think it's one of these things that from what i can remember i don't think it's ever spoiled all that often the interior of the tardis maybe if somebody on set has done like an accidental i don't even know what I'm, I'm going with that really so yeah he's taken taking the selfie in the wrong way but then i don't think that's ever happened that i'm aware
1: no. of I think the people working on the show do take that ser- that secrecy quite seriously. Yeah. You know, they, they they fully understand that if they if they leak, they don't work for uh, Bad Wolf or possibly in television ever again. Mm. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> worth their while. Plus, yeah, you know, I think uh, but most of them would feel like uh, that's actually not fair. You know, you, yeah. you feel like a, like a sports board. Yeah. Well, I can understand mm. that completely. Yeah. And
0: also you get the surprise then of everyone seeing it at once and discussing it and... Yeah, it's lovely to be a part of surprises. Like it's the, the fun of having shows that, that drop once a week and, and yeah. come out in, yeah. in small batches as opposed to, as much as I love a binge, don't get me wrong, um, uh, particularly in <laughs> crime. <laughs> so I just...
1: And the, uh, um, the last thing I wrote down was um, slightly tangential, but it's uh, Hooniverse. So this is manifesting itself in different ways. Uh, I don't think you would have got the full impact of this, but on the BBC iPlayer, uh, I think it was the beginning of this month, because of Russell's behind-the-scenes campaigning, uh, every episode of Doctor Who thus far uh, is now available on the BBC iPlayer, uh, save one... With some exceptions. <laughs> ...which we can go into You'll be sued. You'll be sued to. if you don't... Yeah. Uh, but Basically, the whole collection is there. Um, six stories have been given new... Uh, um, optional wraparound sequences so uh, you can see uh, Peter Davison and Janet Fielding in new shot sequences in a memory TARDIS uh, thinking back to the story Earthshock uh, which after five minutes leads into the eighty story Earthshock uh, with Cybermen in it uh, and uh, we now have this I don't know if it was um, like this when it was broadcast in Australia but a bit like all those Marvel Uh, TV shows and movies, there's this Hooniverse ident uh, with little um, uh, photos or or bits of video of of doctors and companions and so on, which then turns into this Hooniverse logo. So there is this real uh, attempt, and I don't say that thinking it's failed, but uh, this real drive to create not just a show that's on TV for 12 weeks of the year, but a whole kind of infrastructure uh, of Doctor Who-ness. Mm. And there's there's all sorts of scuttlebutt about uh, spin-off series and uh, and who knows what else. Uh, so uh, it's definitely Russell's aim to make sure that uh, it's going to be all Doctor Who all the time from now on.
0: I had heard that he wanted to – because back when he rebooted it, what I'd heard is that he wanted to be more like Buffy. Yes. Vampire Slayer. So to have, you know, kind of a big bad, literally a big bad wolf. Um that was his inspiration then. And then I had read that for this one, it's the inspiration is the Marvel, the MCU, which I find ironic given the MCU is in a bit of trouble at the moment. As <laughs> yes. In they're in their sort of fallow. They seem to be in their fallow. Like, I can't tell you the last Marvel movie I saw at the cinemas. I actually could not tell you. Was it in Loki Series more? 2 was very good. I haven't seen that yet.
1: Yeah, that's really good. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll have fun with I just
0: that. Have missed it, but yeah, I, I will go back and watch it. But, um, yeah, the, the movies, there's been an Ant-Man, there was a mar- Ms. Marvel, Marvels, The Marvels.
2: And the, mar- the Marvels is, yeah, yeah.
0: That's the current one?
2: Yeah, so that's the current one, just,
0: yeah. And I know part of the reason is probably the actor's strike and the writer's strike, you know, you didn't have as much press as you normally would kind of see. But, um, yeah, they're sort of passing me by. And uh, I heard some behind-the-scenes gossip from, I don't know, can we do behind-the-scenes gossip on this? Sure. A friend of mine who works in the film industry in Sydney and has worked on a number of Marvel films that they shoot there because it's now owned by Disney. Um, oh,
2: yeah.
0: Said that even uh, like Chris Hemsworth kind of wasn't quite because he's then shot other films with Chris Hemsworth and was like, "Oh, how was the premiere of Love and Thunder?" And he's like, Hi, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So you know the, the 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 feeling that my friend got was that Chris Hemsworth was a bit sort of ah. Yeah, Love and Thunder. Maybe not our best one. Um, so, and again, alleged, alleged. I, I don't know. I don't want to get sued by Marvel. but That was just it's a, it's a hearsay from a friend of a friend. So, yeah, exactly. But the, you know, if you've got, you know, the the critical and the so you know the critics have always had mixed views of Marvel. Yeah. Generally positive, but then you're getting mixed views, more negative. And even your fans going, ah, it's too much or it feels like homework. I have to watch all these TV series and know who these people are and it's just getting too much. Whereas I guess with Doctor Who there's there's one central character, it's Doctor Who. So you, okay, Doctor Who at this time was travelling with this companion dealing with these villains and the villains are all Yes, they're all through the universe in different places in time and space. What they said at the end of this episode, we could go anywhere in time or space. <laughs> yes. It's um, still around the Doctor Who. It's, it's still around Doctor Who. He's he's the He or she is the central uh, wheel around which the hubs wrote, no, spoke, the central <laughs> hub around which the spokes. I'm losing my mind. Clearly cannot talk, uh, cannot speak the Queen's good English. Um,
1: <laughs> John uh is there anything which we didn't cover which uh, you'd like to highlight uh, well
2: there's one something- interesting thing because i mean look i mean I, I i generally had a very good time with it so it, it's pretty solid uh fun entertaining it's it's sort of pretty much exactly what the 2005 to 2010 run basically was um i did find one bit that was quite interesting it's, and, and i wonder how much of it comes down to the thing you were talking about about uh, about the the Meep being seen uh, as evil earlier. Uh, because um, there's one bit I, I didn't like as much as I, as I wanted to. It was the reveal of the Meep as being the bad guy. Uh, because I, I was reminded in a weird sort of way, this is a very niche comparison, uh, but given we've just mentioned Marvel, it's sort of on point, of Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. Where I, everyone has an absolutely great time with that, loves it or whatever. But I always felt that um, that the, the big beats of the reveal of Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire are kind of a bit fumbled uh, because uh, if, if, if you, if, I don't know if, uh, if you've seen it, but uh, Natalie, but it's um, there's a bit where uh, it's Jacob Italian, isn't it? I think um, like cuts a hole in, in in the kitchen. Like, well, he basically magics a hole to try to find Peter Parker. And then it's Andrew Garfield who kind of steps through and they just have a chat in the kitchen and then he, they do it again. And it's Tobey Maguire. And I felt every time I going, I mean, that's fun, but that moment only works on the sort of, on the meta level of, mm. of, 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 this is um, the people you've seen in the other films. And you're excited about this moment because it's Andrew Garfield and it's, it's Tobey Maguire. And I kept finding myself going, wouldn't it be better if it was like mid fight, with, with uh, um, Tom Holland having a fight and then suddenly Andrew Garfield swings in and saves him where it's suddenly like you get the you get it's an exciting moment anyway and and then oh holy shit it's Andrew Garfield so you get lots of stuff going on uh, mm. it, it's sort of what I feel with like um, sort of the King Kong the Peter Jackson King Kong where everything that, to make you you know anticipate this thing on the island is because you know what the film King Kong's plot is there's nothing <laughs> within this film itself this is... I mean, The Snobby is, isn't quite that, but I remember fi- finding myself watching it, I was really excited for that moment. As I say, it was in a place where it was a party and not everyone there knew who the villain was. So there was a tiny degree of tension and then it felt to me like the reveal was, okay, the Doctor puts on his Stones of Blood wig again um, <laughs> and does the prosecution and then basically they spend about two minutes telling you the Meep is evil before the Meep goes, yeah, I'm evil actually, to hell with this and starts doing stuff and thinking... <laughs> it's surely the more fun version is that it's a it's a lot quicker you don't need the expert you know i appreciate the that you know the doctor's smart the doctor figures it out from the clues he's been given but you can do that after it doesn't have to be before because it basically spends two minutes ago the meat's going to be evil here are the clues as to what as to what you missed and the meat goes yeah i'm evil as opposed to no reveal is it's a show don't tell it's you know it's, it's a bit of a cliche so i wonder how much of that came from uh, the thing you're saying about 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 the reveal not necessarily happening in quite that way, and whether the audience in it, and whether it's been tweaked along the on, along the way, that means that that bit didn't quite work as well as I'd have liked it to have done.
0: That's a really good observation because also you can't it it. I, and I get what you say about it feeling a bit clunky because you need to have the the Roche warriors explain. I mean, I guess you don't need to really, but they wanted to have them explain what they've been doing and what you know where they've been and why they're good guys, and then turn around to the meep. And you'd think that the meep would have already rumbled and gone, "I've been rumbled," and just start shooting or start you know attacking or something. Yeah. But instead, the meep stands very patiently by <laughs> until the until the uh, dramatic moment is, is it's allowed to to say, "Oh, to hell with this."
1: Um, But I think there's a pleasure in in anticipation as well as surprise. And I think, uh, yeah, maybe it could have been structured a little bit more carefully. Maybe, John, you're right. This is a bit of a holdover from an earlier version of which during that trial scene, uh, the audience would already have 100% known what was coming. But I think, especially when you consider uh, a child audience, if they're allowed to to get a little bit ahead, I think uh, they will love the story uh, rather than being disappointed by it.
0: And that just occurred to me too, is that if kids are watching, they need a little bit more time for the penny to drop. I, th-
1: I think that f- – I've always said that I
2: think, like, one of my ideal versions of, like, a twist reveal is sort of the third man where you as the audience figure it out just before. And I don't think it would need I, – I think there's there's a halfway house. I don't think it's suddenly the meat pulls out a gun and starts blasting people. I think it's more like um, they get caught by the Wrath Warriors and the Wrath Warriors say something – uh, and then and everyone just goes hold on what and then the audience goes oh i've been missed i've got the wrong way on this and then immediately then it happens so it still it still allows that kind of the pickup I, I i didn't think it needed like the minute and a half of explanation of the clues and i feel that, that given what Tom said i feel that that might be an editing thing because this is always the thing i feel problematic about criticizing a lot of these things is somebody who writes stuff that gets made you are often at the, the mercy of other things and other edits and things that happens. You do not have the perfect crucible to create these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are notes and things that are tweaked and changed as they go along, which don't necessarily always lead to the best results. But uh, it, what, what I mean by that is that the occasional, there are occasional sort of knock-on things. So there's at least one I've, I wrote where we like cut a scene and then I realised that when, when with that scene gone, some of the implications around it are pretty dodgy. Uh, but, but you know the, the the scene was cut for pace and all manner of other reasons, and then you went, "Oh, and I'm not going to go in any further detail because if you haven't seen this or heard this story and figured out some of the implications, I'm not going to like flag them for you." <laughs> um, but it's one where it was, yeah, we, yeah, a couple of scenes. Did got you have cut. a
1: doctor in blackface?
2: Uh, I I did. Yes, <laughs> it works so much better on audio though. I, I find. can see but, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big choice.
2: Yeah, I, there was a rational explanation in at least one scene. And then, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: so the TARDIS was being run by coal for a day. There was a blowout in the chimney. It, it made perfect sense, but uh, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: Cut the scenes around it and it's just, it, you know, inadvertent Al Jolson. <laughs> Which is almost as bad as actual adverted Al Jolson. So, you know.
0: Can I mention... UNIT, because we haven't really talked about UNIT's involvement in this episode. First of all, they've now got Tony Stark's headquarters.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, that's where the Marvel money is going. They seem to have the – it looked like the Shard, but yep. with the sticky-outy bit.
1: We've seen that like, uh, Tony- in some trailers. We've seen helicopters landing and the Doctor running along that thing, uh, all looking fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, so they had uh, – I, I said this to the friends I watched. Them. When I knew Doctor Who was back, when I really felt it in my heart, was when the soldiers, the unit soldiers went up the stairs and they opened up the door to the, the alien craft and out came the what was it, solar psychedelic
2: oh, yeah.
0: spindly yep. magic colours. And it went into their eyes and it changed their eyes. And then as one they turned around – flicked down their visors, and then formation marched. And I went, when I saw formation marching, <laughs> that's when I knew Doctor Who was back. Because all the great Doctor Who has formation marching. Absolutely. Apart from the Daleks who can't march. But the Cybermen or the Sontarans is just a unit. Any, they've just got to be people or aliens formation marching.
2: <laughs> and it's I was a like, great yes, look. we're back. <laughs> a friend of mine um, who sort of does some producing a big finish called Noga, she uh, pointed out one thing that was quite fun. I hope I'm crediting her, so she, you No, know, this is from her. She's saying the, the scene with Ruth Madeley and David Tennant implies that the unit have a list of the order all of these people happen in. So if the if the Tardis materializes, there's going to be someone waving around just like double checking and going, oh, "Who's it? oh shit? It's William Hartnell." We, right, we've got to like cover cover our tracks completely on this one, haven't we? And knows <laughs> where it is. I was reminded of again like a sketch. I tried to pitch for a radio show a good decade or so ago where it was around the time when you had Planet Earth and all of the David Attenborough documentaries, and I, they, I think they still do this, where the actual episode was about 50 minutes, and the final 10 minutes was, uh, like, a compilation of some poor sod on a mountain, uh-huh. like, holding off with his camera for, like, six months trying to film a snow leopard. And, <laughs> and I was kind of getting, my guess was going, what if all BBC shows are filmed this way? So there's some poor sap of a cameraman on, on Mars... Uh Like with his <laughs> with his camera, just waiting for the TARDIS, movie. and the, you know, here's the TARDIS going. Oh shit, let's go! There might be an adventure. He goes, oh, oh it's Sylvester McCoy. I can't use it. Never. No, yeah. It's, um...
0: <laughs> so UNIT is supposed to, they're not supposed to tell the doctors about other doctors.
2: Well, I mean, they clearly did, but but I oh, know he did because he said he he knew his future, didn't he? Yeah, that was the, the thing because he rattled off who he was after. And and she knew that that was you know the correct order and, and the order of the thing the way these people were so
1: yeah so it's like um, River Song in the Husbands of River Song uh, wandering around with uh, a wallet full of uh, all of the Doctor actors uh, equity headshots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good point. Sorry, that's a really good point. <laughs> if David Tennant is back and he was like the youngest, like he'd never seen her when they met in the Silence of the Libraries. Could she come back now in one of the specials and be like, oh, now this is when I met you
1: oh, you had the yes. same face? Presum- well, presumably she could. I, I, I frankly doubt that she will, uh, um, but I suppose she could. Uh, and Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be these, these three with David Tennant, which I think is just to avoid the new boy having to deal with the uh, impact of the 60th anniversary. So you get yes. the old boy back. Uh, and have him shoulder that burden Uh, and then uh, when the new man takes over uh, he has a a blank slate the 60th anniversary is in the rearview mirror uh, and he can just go off and have new adventures
0: and there's been goodwill you know created by the lovely nostalgia hit of of having David Tennant back and you know you've had that bridge um, and then it's smooth sailing for shoot for shooty Um, I just remembered the other thing I wanted to mention about unit was the the woman who was in charge. Like, we didn't see Kate, Led- Kate Lethbridge-Stewart? No, I mean, the, the I feel that's coming up others.
2: later. Yeah. There, right. There's so much that we are aware is coming up. Like, most obviously, Wilf is is turning up again. Yeah. And, um And at least one or two others where I'm going to be wary about it because, you know, they were, you know, vague. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think we, we're definitely getting a return two units and, and in, a, in a couple of episodes after whatever the hell happens in the next
1: one. So yeah, they'll be very quiet about the next one. Um, Nat, will you, will you join us for, for the next one? Can we do this again next week?
0: Ah, oh, I would love to. Of course. I would love to. Thank you so much. Is that, is it three in a row or is it two and then a Christmas special? It's three, it's in a three
2: in a row, then a Christmas special. So oh, just,
1: wow. Be first.
2: Oh, but we don't deeps. know. We don't, don't know. know. Ah. Th- there's a, there feels like there's an outside chance we're going to see some shooty sooner, I think. But, um, I, I I had the um, uh, the entertaining experience of, as I say, at this party watching Star Beast, of being sat next to for some of it the the narrator of the audiobook of the third one, who was uh, being thankfully very reticent about content, <laughs> uh, and Aww. which is all to the good because I didn't want to, I don't want to know anything, yeah. um, you know, I. I mean, for various reasons, I, I, I think I was very aware of it being the toy maker for at least a year and a half, but, um, th- that's okay. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it's, um, yeah, I, I want to know very, very little about them at all.
0: I'm, I'm just lucky in that I have such a terrible memory that if I learn things, I kind of immediately forget <laughs> them. So I have like a self inbuilt, um, what's that thing from the men in black neuralizer. I seem to just yeah. learn things and then forget about
1: them. A flashy thing. and I'm
0: like, oh, that's right! I think I heard about this what <laughs> be happening.
1: What a nice surprise! All right, any closing remarks?
0: A lo- a lovely return for Doctor Who.
2: Yeah, I'd go with that. I think it was solidly fun, entertaining. It's doing. It, it's not going to be the deepest of episodes. That's the thing, but I don't think it needed to be or wanted to be. It's it's a, a return of David Tennant for some specials, and it's bouncy, fun, and excitement, and it's. You know, it, 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 that it, it did exactly what it needed to do. It also, you know, included representational stuff uh, that was actually part of the plot, but somehow, you know, just very effectively done. Uh, you know, I have a, a trans lodger, so it very clearly mattered quite uh, heavily too uh, and felt, you know, seen and represented by it. Uh, so, and, and I feel that all of that was done for the majority of the time really, really well. And um, And the fact it's annoyed a lot of people on Twitter... Uh, is exactly what <laughs> needed to be done in the first place. So uh, you know, you know, if you if, if you're getting angry that it's woke, it's woke because you're getting angry that it's woke. You fools. Yeah. <laughs> I just point.
0: remembered the other Russell T Davis flourish that I meant to say was when he and Donna were in the the, the top of the spaceship, uh, trying to shut down the activation of the dagger drive, which I thought was quite a fun term. And uh, and they were separated by a panel, like separated by Russell T Davis seems to like people. Yeah. Remember. When Rose and, and the doctor were on other sides of the wall in different dimensions, and the doctor and Wilf in the end of time. Yes, yes, that's in the right. In the apartments. Yeah, yeah. So he likes putting, loves people chasing up and down and putting people in, in, on either side of partitions.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I I I really struggled to find fault with it at all. Uh, <clears throat> I agree, it's not going to be one of the ones that is the most profound or the most. Uh, thought-provoking, but it wasn't trying to be, it didn't need to be. I thought it knew exactly what it wanted to be, and I think it ticked pretty much every single box without ever feeling like it was a box-ticking exercise. Uh, I just was so impressed and pleased, and I might go and watch it again now.
2: It felt very elegantly done, I think. Very elegantly done and just fun, and, and, you know, watching it with a room full of people where we all just had a really good time with it and laughed at all the right bits, and it felt like you know, it, 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 honestly, um, it, was, it was a party in itself. So I, I'm kind of not sure how I'm going to watch any of the others if it's just me on my own. It'd be this bit where you kind of go, this seems Aww. strange. This is a bad choice.
0: And so we wrap up another journey through time and space with Donna throwing coffee on the TARDIS, which I probably should have mentioned earlier. But we'll mention it now. Donna threw coffee on the TARDIS, and therefore the TARDIS kind of blew up. And who knows where we'll go in time and space. Uh, until next week, that is. Um Tom and John, thank you so, so, so much for inviting me to do this uh, cross-subsection podcast analytical thingy. Um, I very much appreciate it. And where can people find the Best Pick Pod? Uh,
1: You can tweet us at bestpickpod. You can email us bestpickpod at gmail.com and uh, you can go to the website, which is just bestpickpod.com and see our journey through every film that won Best Picture at the Academy Awards and then some other films because we just couldn't stop podcasting.
0: Uh, as opposed to my disparate and unconnected range of social media (laughs) tags and feeds for the Raven on podcast. Um, But yes, if you go to facebook.com slash Natalie's throne is the Facebook page or patreon.com slash girl clumsy. They're two places you can find me also at girl clumsy on Twitter slash X. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear from people. Once again, we will, you know, I'm sure continue to pay tribute to Stu in coming episodes or if things he's like, but I think he would have loved this episode. He has a five-year-old daughter, and she is at that age where I think he would have been introducing her to something like this and just having an, a blast. And so Can we
1: get her on the um, podcast? It's never too soon.
0: I would love to get she is so she is so like him. She's just such a people person and she just makes friends instantly. She just walks up to people and says, um, hi, I'm Chloe. What do you do? Or what are you like? Or what, you know, she just immediately makes friends. And it's, it's very much like Stu. It's what made him a great journalist was his, his just ability to instantly connect with people. And so I think she will love, She's a great imagination. And I think she will, you know, love this. So I will touch base and hopefully find out if she's enjoying the, the specials as well. So thanks to everyone who's obviously passed on lovely words about Stu. And he was such a a big influence and a big um, favourite of so many people who, who listen to us, um, as he should be. I'm, I'm no one. It, it's all stupid. <laughs> so thank you guys for um, being the experts on this uh, this podcast. And as we always like to say, Alonzi? I don't know. It's David Chen. I'll have to come up with something better. But until then, until next time, um, we'll see you in the ties.